Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Shall we sing our praise? Would you stand and sing with us, please? said. Please be seated. My name is Cheryl Broom, and you know me. And Jesse and I are coming to join you in worship. Is that okay, Jesse? I guess so. Dick's already up here. Today is a really exciting day in the life of the church. Why? Because it's the first Sunday in Lent, and that's not just the stuff in your belly button. It is a holy season where we begin our journey to the cross. We really officially started on Wednesday with Ash Wednesday, and many of you were here. It was a really amazing worship service, and those who were here were asked, did you want to pick up your cross and follow Jesus during this time of Lent? And most of you did. We have crosses in case you didn't get one, or if you'd like to pick one up now for you to carry during the Lenten season. And every time you look at it, be reminded of Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross and how we are free because of that. So, again, welcome to worship. I'll put these somewhere. Where? Well, thank you, altar rail. So you can feel free to come and pick up your cross and follow Christ. Dick, you wanna get us started with our call to worship? A New Testament reading comes from Genesis. Two sections, verse, uh, chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, and chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. I'll be reading from the New Century Version. You'll find the New Revised Standard Version in your pew Bibles on pages 2 and 3. Listen now for the word of God. The Lord God put the man in the Garden of Eden to care for it and to work it. The Lord God commanded him, you may eat the fruit from any tr tree in the garden, but you must not eat the fruit of the tree which gives knowledge of good and evil. If you ever eat fruit from that tree, you will die. Now the snake was the most clever of all the wild animals. The Lord God had made. One day the snake said to the, to the woman, Did God really say that you must not eat fruit from any tree in the garden? The woman answered the snake, 
We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God told us you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not even touch it or you will die. The snake said to the woman, you will not die. God knows that if you eat from that tree, you'll learn more about good, good and evil, and you'll be like God. The woman saw that the tree was beautiful, the fruit was good to eat, and that it would make her wise. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. She also gave some of the fruit to her husband who was there with her, and he ate. Then it was as if their eyes were open. They realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made something to cover themselves. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Let us pray. All-knowing and all-caring God, we gather this day drained by another week. We are like a parched desert, empty in need of replenishment. Visit us with your presence, saturate us with your spirit, and bathe us in your streams of living water that our lives might acknowledge and worship you to the praise and honor of Jesus Christ. Amen. At this time, I'd like to invite the kiddos forward for a quick moment before we go into spark worship. Come on up here, kiddos. A quick moment. I do mean a quick moment. We can be quick when we want to be. I'm going to start talking while we all come up here. We have so many friends today. Hi, kiddos. I'm so glad you're all here. Uh-oh. Careful, careful. Brother, careful. That's how my brothers carried me, too. <laughs> All right. I want to ask you guys about a big word. Are you guys ready for this? Have you ever heard of the word temptation before? Yes. yes? yes. Tem every year. Every year. That's right. Every year around this time of year, we talk about temptation, at least when your mom's the children's director. So temptation's a really big word. That means it's the want or the desire, the urge, the sometimes need we feel to do something that we know we shouldn't do. We know it's wrong or it's probably maybe not smart, right? The temptation is that pull that you feel to do it. And temptation is something we face every single day, right? Have you guys ever been tempted to sneak a cookie before dinner even though mom and dad told you not to? No. Or never. Has, has any mom or dad out there been tempted to sneak a cookie before dinner while you're cooking dinner? Yes? No, that never happens. Eating ice cream right out of the container. What about feeling the need to take a shortcut? You know, like, I really don't need to fully clean my room or fully put my laundry away. I'll take care of that later. Right? We give, we give temptation all sorts of cute names, like sneaking. Or we're going to tell just a little white lie, right? Or how about... Um, a shortcut, right? Taking shortcuts can be a temptation. And it doesn't matter what name we give temptation or the actions we take when we are tempted. If we know it's wrong before we do it, it's still wrong no matter what we call it, right? So when we go into Spark Worship today, we're going to learn about a time where Jesus was tempted. And he showed us this really awesome way to face temptation, not only to face it, but to defeat it.
Because did you know that you don't have to fail when it comes to temptation? You can say no. I'm not going to eat that cookie because I know mom's cooking me dinner right now and she's going to be upset if I don't eat it, right? You can say, no, I'm not going to go watch my TV show when I know I'm supposed to be putting away my laundry. No. That's right. You can say, no, I'm not going to tell a lie even though it's easier. We can all say no, and Jesus did that, and he did that through knowing God's word in his heart. So as we go into Spark Worship today, we're going to go out there and we're going to sing about standing firm. We're going to learn more about how Jesus was tempted. And then we're going to play a game I like to call the floor is lava. Except this time the floor is going to be sin and we're going to avoid it. Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay. Let's bow our heads, fold our hands, close our eyes, and say, Dear God. Dear God. Help us to follow Jesus' example. Help us to follow Jesus' example. And hide your word in our hearts. And hide your word in our hearts. So we may not sin against you. So we may not sin against you. In your name we pray. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, my kiddos, we're going to exit straight out the back for Spark Worship. Thank you, Jesse. So as we do our prayer time together, the custom is for you to lift a hand or to write on one of those yellow prayer cards. If you'll fill out a prayer card, we'll make sure to carry that to our prayer meetings and report it in a confidential way on our prayer page. And if sometimes people are just shy to raise their hand, that's okay. Make sure those cards are filled out and put it in the offering plate as it goes by. Now remember, you're not a doctor unless you're a doctor. <laughs> and you know how doctors write really tiny? You can write really clear, so I'll be able to read your prayer request later, okay? <laughs> So, if you'd like to lift one before the congregation, when you give us your prayer request in your name, then we're going to say, Lord, hear our prayer. And if it's a praise, because, you know, we're here to praise God, too, in our prayer life, we'll say, Lord, hear our praise. Let's go before God in our prayers where we will lift our own silent prayers before the Lord. Don't forget to write your prayer cards if you have a prayer need. We'll end our prayer time together with the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. Holy God, by the grace of Jesus Christ, you know the test and trials we face. Walk with us through this wilderness. Come to us with ministers of healing and visit us with messengers of hope so that we may return to you in faith, believing the good news of the gospel. This we pray through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So throughout history, people have told stories to one another. Stories face to face, around the fire, stories at dinner tables, and now we tell stories through our cell phones, 
through books and letters and newspapers and magazines and movies, TV, even our computers tell us stories. We tell stories, we read stories, we listen to stories. And the stories we tell others about what is happening in our lives. I love a good story, don't you? Yes, we have other story likers out there. Now, when I was in the process of being pasteurized, <laughs> uh, it was worse than milk, it's hotter. <laughs> Scalding times. Every meeting I went to, and I'm telling you, there are dozens and dozens of meetings that you go to, they wanted me to tell my story, and they call it your call story. Anytime I was introduced, anytime I went to a new church, anytime the board met, please tell us your call story. Now, I wasn't sure whether they were really interested in my call story or if they just wanted to authenticate that I really had a call. I don't know why they forced us to give our call story over and over and over, but here is where I learned the power of story. Each of us have a story. We have a story of where we came from, about our families. We have love stories. We have friendship stories. We have work stories and funny stories and sad stories and difficult stories. And our stories inform us about our life aspirations. Our stories inform us about what we believe, what our fears are, what is our identity, our role in life, our values, and what we hold dear. The story tells about us. And our story tells everyone how we view the world. It's true. We are writing our story all the time. And we're telling our stories all the time in how we act, how we behave, what we do, what we decide, what we don't decide. It is our story. And that can change any time. So I want to read together with you the story that Jesus tells this day about his temptation. It's found in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, on page 879 in your Pew Bibles. The Pew Bibles are the New Revised Standard Version. They're in almost every single Methodist church. When we went to the New Revised, all people bought those Bibles and put them in their pews. I'm going to be reading a different version, because every week I want to give you a little bit different take of different versions. There's a lot of versions out there to read from. And today I chose the complete Jewish Bible. The Jewish Bible tells the perspective of this story through the Midrash, through the Torah, through the eyes of Jewish people. So pay attention to the differences in the story and see if anything gets your attention. It begins. Then the spirit led Yeshua up into the wilderness to be tempted by the adversary. After Yeshua had fasted 40 days and nights, he was hungry. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, order these stones to become bread. But he answered, The Tanakh says, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of Adonai. Then the adversary took him up to the holy city and set him at the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, jump. For the Tanakh says, 
he will order his angels to be responsible for you. They will support you with their hands so that you will not hurt your feet on the stones. Yeshua replied, but it also says, do not put Adonai, your God, to the test. Once more, the adversary took him up to the summit of the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he said to him, all of this I will give to you if you bow down and worship me. Away with you, Satan, Yeshua told him. For the Tanakh says, worship Adonai, your God, and serve him only. Then the adversary left him alone, and the angels came and took care of him. This is my story, and I'm sticking with it. It is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And we all have a story to tell about our faith, about our life, about what we believe in God, who we trust and who we serve. I wonder what it would be like if you would tell me your call story. What called you to Christ? So Adam and Eve had a story too. We're going to touch on that story a little bit. We heard one of the two creation accounts that is in Genesis 1 is one creation story and Genesis 2-3 as the second creation story. A little bit different. Most people don't notice that we have two creation stories until like you go to seminary and then you're shocked. You're like, whoa, how did that happen? Well, today we're focusing on the second creation story. And it comes from the perspective of Adam and Eve as they arrived in the Garden of Eden. Now, the Hebrew word for Eden is also delight. Isn't that cool? And so God placed them in the Garden of Delight and gave them everything everything, only asking that they not eat from the fruit of the tree which gives knowledge of good and evil. That's God's story. That was God's command to them. But enter into the story the talking snake, the tempter, the trickster, the adversary. And as Adam and Eve faced uncertainty, they listened to the adversary who said, you will not die. God knows that if you eat the fruit from the tree, you will learn about good and evil, and you will be like God. They listened. They decided to trust the adversary. You will not die. God knows. You'll learn. You'll be like God. Adam and Eve were simply conned. Today, we would call them fished, bamboozled, scammed, spammed. I mean, obviously, they had little life experience, right? They didn't know what we know. We know that if it sounds too good to be true, that it generally is too good to be true. They didn't know that. The story in Genesis, the snake fundamentally moves to convince Adam and Eve that God is untrustworthy, first by suggesting that God would deny them, as human beings, good food. And second, by insisting to them that God had lied to them. You will not die. And they were placing them as human rivals to God. Accordingly, when pride and greed is involved, the first couple made a a decision. And that drives some of our decisions today, doesn't it, when we're anxious? When we are uncertain about the future? And we listen not to God, but to others? The devil made God out to be a jealous rival for them, their competitor, 
not that their lives were in relationship with God, but in competition with God. How do we know who to trust? Well, that day, they did not trust God. And so the story goes. I can almost hear them whining to God, can you? It's not just Generation Z that whines, it's all of us. God, it's not our fault. The snake was so convincing. He seemed to want what was best for us. And that day they learned an important lesson that we too today are heirs. That every lesson, everything we decide, every choice we make comes with consequences. They learned that too that day. There are results for all our decisions. And if you've ever faced uncertainty and turned to the wrong source of information, then you know how the story goes. Like Adam and Eve, we face uncertainty in life. We feel like we have to make our own way. It's that old independent spirit of being an American, huh? And too often, we think we can do a better job than God. We can order our life better than God can order our life. And we listen to the tempter. And we follow our own path, seeking to fulfill our own unrestrained hunger, our thirst for power, and our need for control. Got any control freaks out there? I'm raising my hand too. Even today, the tempter is all around us. And too often, the tempter is found in the form of peer pressure, social media, wayward friends, And as often happens, we reap the results of our poor decisions when we do not follow God's good plan and directives for our lives. Now, sometimes bad things happen, but too often I hear people blame the results on God. We blame our poor decisions on others. We fail to take responsibility. And it is my hope that eventually our forefather and foremother accepted responsibility, recognized that they too followed the advice of the tempter, and they acknowledged their sins and repented by meaning they turned back to God. This is the story I want to believe. Now, much of Native American folklore, they know the tempter as the trickster. You'll find the trickster throughout Native American folklore. And his whole purpose is to trip us up and trick us. In so many stories, just like this story with Jesus' temptation, it's filled with deceptions from the trickster and outright lies. Whose story are you going to believe? Who are you going to trust? Well, here's one of Jesus' most powerful stories in this story of the temptation. It's powerful because the tempter was there, and the tempter's always good at telling stories. On the surface, the first temptation Jesus faced seemed to be about comfort, as the devil purrs. You have great power, and look, you're dreadfully hungry. Why not make some bread and take and eat? But on a deeper level, the temptation boils down to this. Why not sustain yourself? You have power on your own. You don't need God to sustain you. Quoting Deuteronomy 8, Jesus responded, He understands what's at stake, as if to say, 
Just as my ancestors were led through the desert for 40 years, the Spirit has led me here to spar with you for 40 days. And far be it from me to end this training session prematurely. I've learned the ancient lesson of manna, that God is the true source of our sustenance, physical and otherwise. Bread certainly has its place, but every good thing, including bread, comes from God. Put simply, bread is a gift from God. Shall I then cut short the Spirit's training by making and taking bread for myself? No. God is the fountain in the center of my life. With an open and humble spirit, I trust in God's graceful care for me and not in my power and might of my own hands. The second temptation Jesus faced was about security. Security and confidence that he was loved by God. The devil says, go ahead and jump. The trickster says, prove that you're God's beloved. And the third temptation is about glorifying. Glorifying God or glorifying worship someone else. Worship me, the trickster says, and you will have everything. But Jesus quotes from Moses' story about manna in the desert. God gave them their daily bread in the wilderness, which proved the reliance on God. Relying on God and God alone was cause for worship and service to God. And we are to love and trust God as a child would trust a caring parent. Never putting God to the test, like a child running towards danger to see if the parent truly loves them. God is our flowing fountain, not only of nourishment, but of loving kindness and grace and genuine power and not anxiety. That is cheap power peddled by the trickster. These are stories about trust, and they can guide and lead us in our own life story. So here are three questions I want you to consider as a guide to govern your life and inform your story. The first question would be, whom do you trust for your nourishment? Whom do you trust? The second is, whom do you trust to love and care for you? Who do you trust to love and care for you? And whom do you trust your service and worship to? What are you worshiping in your life? As Matthew tells it on each of these three fronts, the trickster tries to insinuate a wedge between Jesus and God, who God said at Jesus' baptism, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And in effect, the tempter whispers in our ear, for nourishment, don't trust God, trust yourself. For loving care, well, really, who can you trust? God? If you believe that, then why don't you jump off this tower, and then we'll see how many angels come to your rescue. And your loyalty to worship, the tempter says, don't trust God, trust me. And Jesus' three responses he doesn't only discredit the devil's temptations, he declares the good news of the gospel to us when Jesus says yes to humility and grace. 
yes to nourishment and love and guidance. Even when we travel in the wilderness, every good gift from God is like a gift of manna, and we should give thanks for which we can pray afresh every day, presuming nothing, empty hands, humble hearts. For God's grace is among us, and God's own child, Emmanuel, God with us, walks beside us, even in seasons of scarcity and in seasons of plenty alike. God is the font of every blessing, and we can trust in God, and we can trust also in Christ. So after 40 days and 40 nights, he's hungry, he's tired, he's thirsty, and he's had enough. Enough is enough. Jesus had grown tired of the tempter's deceit, and he declares that he has chosen to trust God instead of the trickster, and he tells him to hit the road. I love this. And in that moment, Jesus knows who he is and whose he is. He is God, God with us. And one of the true blessings of imperfection is knowing our limitations and better seeing our need for God's grace and our dependence upon God. So this is not the end of the story because we see what happens after Jesus rebukes the tempter. In Matthew 4.11, Jesus was sent angels to attend to him in his weariness, to comfort him in his loneliness, to heal him in his pain, because yes, Jesus felt all these things too. God did not leave his beloved child to figure it out on his own. He sent angels to comfort and care for Jesus. And did you notice the most important part? That when the test was over, Jesus overcame temptation. He accepted God's love and help and trusted in God. There are so many important lessons in this for us. Our God is a God of story. And here in these scriptures, we find the story of our temptation and our redemption as well, which begs the question, who are you going to trust? Will we trust God? Will this be our story? Today is the first Sunday of Lent, and this journey with Jesus leads us towards repentance and a chance to acknowledge our limitations, our humanity, our failure, our sins, and recognize our utter dependence upon God for every breath. Today, as we follow Jesus, as we continue, we leave the wilderness and we move closer to the cross. And the question we'll continue to consider during these days of our Lenten journey is, are you willing to take up your cross and follow Jesus? And today, I say, amen. Amen. Our response this morning is from Psalm 32 in, in your hymnal. That's on page 766. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice. Shout for joy, you upright in heart. Blessed are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed are those whom the Lord does not hold guilty, in whom the Spirit is no deceit. When I did not declare my sin, my body wasted away. 
Though my groaning, through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Then you will forgive the guilt of my sin. In the Lord and rejoice, shout for joy, you upright in heart. Therefore, let those who are godly offer prayer to you. In time of distress, rush of great water shall not reach them. You are, I, you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You encompass me with deliverance. Teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be like an unruly horse or a mule without understanding, whose temper must be curbed with a bit and bridle. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice. Shout for joy, you upright in heart. You may be seated. So I'm supposed to tell you why I give to the church. And one of the reasons I give to this church is that as a trustee, I see firsthand the expenses of needed to operate a church dedicated to the teachings of Jesus and the mission of our missions, the various missions of our denomination. Let us pray for our offering. Generous God, <clears throat> as we remember Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, we acknowledge the temptation that pursues us, many, pursues so many of us to measure our worth our power, and our security by what we have. As we offer these gifts to you this morning, we pray that you might deliver us from the temptation of building our lives around what belongs to us. Continually lead us to the conviction that what matters is that we belong to you. We pray in the name of our Savior and Redeemer. Amen. Amen. The ushers now bring forth the offering. Would you please stand in body or spirit as we sing the doxology, which is our song of praise. Let us pray. Almighty and awesome God, we are often tempted to believe that everything is ours, that we have all the power. We bow our lives to you, O oh God, and ask you to direct the use of these gifts that you have given us. Give us wisdom, give us guidance, give us grace to do your will and work in the world. All this through the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior and our friend. Amen. Thank you.
be seated for just a minute. We're gonna, um, I'm going to invite you, if you are not yet a member of this church and you want to join with us in fellowship, you can always feel free to come up during our final hymn any Sunday or come to my office where we talk. There's a group of us that meet together and, and talk about life. You're welcome to come there too because there are donuts. Not that I want to tempt you, but I know how a Methodist like to eat. It's part of my call story, okay? Anyway, let's say what our um, mission is as we leave this place today. Will you join me in reading the mission statement together? The mission of Holotus Hills United Methodist Church is to grow and nurture disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of our world, our community, and our world. I'm getting used to it. And now, you might have noticed we've shifted our announcements a little bit so that it can lead us out to do more activity in the world. So I'm going to invite Dick to share with us some announcements before we sing our final hymn. So we hope you've, that during the worship today you found some helpful ways to strengthen your, di your discipleship and build trust in the Lord. To help you do that, we have classes and service opportunities that you can find on our church calendar at hhumc.com. There's uh, a church work days preparation for Palm Sunday and Easter is set for Saturday, March the 25th, starting at 9 a.m. Please plan to participate in some way. There's an, an Emmaus send-off this Thursday at 3.45 in this room right here. The Emmaus community is invited to participate. Uh, I didn't mention these before, but if you have a prayer card or a visitor card, uh, fill those out, and uh, you, since the plate's already passed, you can turn them in at the Welcome Center in the back. I appreciate that information. Does Jesse have announcements? Hello again, everyone. I'm back. I know you're so excited. This is weird. Well, so there are a couple things going on. The first one I wanted to announce is that our next Serve Saturday is on March 18th from 4 to 6 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. If you copied the poster that was hanging up before you came into service, I had the wrong date on it. It's fixed now. Don't forget to press save, people. Um, <laughs> so it's on March 18th, and we are going to be supporting the Little Free Libraries of San Antonio. I don't know if anybody here has ever seen just a random box on a post that says Little Free Library, and it's filled with books. But it is a community-based effort that is spread through the entire United States where people can post their own libraries and fill them with books, and they are absolutely free to use. You can leave books or you can take books. Um, the city of San Antonio has 16 libraries spread throughout city parks. Our closest one is at uh, Bramberger Park, and I will find it. I'm going to find it. Um, but we are going to be building a library to donate to the uh, city of San Antonio and hopefully building another one to post at our church at some point in time. We're going to be doing a book drive. They are in desperate need of children's books. So we are, um, from now until March 18th, collecting children's books of all forms to donate to the city to be spread throughout their libraries. Um, and we will be praying over those books as they go out. If you think, okay, great, I love the idea of spreading literacy in our community, and I would love to do that, but I have no idea what children's books to buy, we have an Amazon list on here. You can scan the QR code. Um, or the uh, Facebook event will be up this afternoon with the list on there as well. 
and it is full of books that are not only Christian-based, but are inclusive and encouraging children to be kind and spread kindness in the world around us, which is a Christian message, right? Whether it comes from Jesus directly or not, if it comes from a friend, it is still a Christian message to get out there. There's also 16 Bibles in that registry, one for each of the community libraries that we hope to bless and to fill during this event. So if you are feeling called to help us with that, there is a whole lot going on. I uh, suggest you check out the poster. There's some out here in the uh, lobby. There'll also be some in the fellowship hall for you to read and go through. So that's March 18th. Also, hold on one second. Okay, Akon. Akon stuff. Our important dates are posted in the lobby for you now. We have the Akon planning meeting, the stuffing party. We actually, I even squeezed in safe gatherings training there for anybody who would like to be safe gathering certified before the Easter Akon. Um, as well as the egg hunt itself. So if you're wanting to get all of your dates down in one spot because you love the Easter egg hunt, I know there are some of you out there who look forward to it every year and seeing the kids go crazy for the candy. Um, please check out those dates and copy them down, and we look forward to having you guys help with us. Our current candy count is at six bags. So thank you to everyone who's donated so far. Thank you, Jesse. See, she has just as much energy later in the service as she does at the very beginning, but she wears more interesting costumes at the end. So thanks for coming back to share. We're, as we sing our final hymn, again, if you uh, feel called to join this church and you're not a member, then come and talk to me. Even though you have to walk that lonesome valley by yourself, you are never alone. God is with you every step of the way. If you want to pick up your cross and carry it and you haven't had a chance to at all, carry this out to the door and we'll give it to you as you leave. So go forth with a blessing and know you are not alone, that God goes with you. Amen. <laughs>